Hi, this is Danielle Krissa of The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 180 of Art for Your Ear. I am ridiculously excited for you to hear today's episode. This weekend was supposed to be the last episode of the season, featuring my interview with artist and writer Mimi Pond, but given the events of the past week, I recorded one extra episode. Mimi will be up next weekend, but today I'm talking to LA-based artist Kalita Rawls. Honestly, when I first saw her work, maybe a month or so ago, I thought, wow, these are some stunning photographs. Turns out they're paintings. (laughs) Beautiful, powerful, almost poetic, figurative paintings. Um, I actually found her a few weeks ago in one of Amy Sherald's um, Instagram posts because, crazy small world, they went to art school together. Anyway, we're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more. So let's just jump right in, shall we? Calling Kalita in Los Angeles. Hi, Kalita. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I just discovered your work um, on maybe like a week or two ago um, through Amy Sherald's feed. Because <laughs> you guys went, did you go to school together? Yes, uh, we did. Undergrad. We were both. And uh, well, she went to Clark and I went to Spelman, but the classes, the art classes were all held on Spelman's campus. Oh. So we had painting classes and drawing classes together. The art department really funnels through there at the AUC, the different okay. schools that have different strengths. Yes. the kids. I was trying have. to figure that out because I was, I knew you went to Spelman and I was like, she didn't, but I know she was in Atlanta. So there you go. That's how it worked. Okay. Um, anyway, I saw your work and I thought, oh, what beautiful photographs. <laughs> and then I was like, no, those aren't photographs. Uh, and I immediately wrote the post. Um, and then the world, I mean, I we're going to talk about it. Um, anyway, I'm so, so happy to have you on here. I cannot wait to hear your whole story. So let's start at the very, very beginning of your story. Um, where did you grow up? And were you an artsy kid when you were growing up? I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, Um, and yes, I was an artsy kid. My mother painted as kind of a hobby, so I used to mix her paints. She did more (laughs) watercolors, you know, so I learned all like the, you know, colors and names and all different variations of colors early, Um, and that was really fun um, to match things. And then she was also a photographer, so she'd take pictures all the time, so we even had a uh, dark room at one of our bathrooms that she made. Uh, wow. So yeah, I had all of that kind of in my home, but she's, it was more like she was a hobbyist in that way. She never showed or, you know, um, shared her photos with the world, or with us and the family, but she was very into it. And um, so that was easy. And as a kid, I was drawing all the time. I think that's like I do too. My mom would buy, art supplies all the time. We always had drawing pads. We always had art supplies in the house. That was like, mm-hmm. a, you know, that's what you do in between looking at TV or something. It's <laughs> yeah. a part of our house. So you couldn't help but to be an artsy gun child there. Yeah. That's the same. My mom was an artist and she had um, like a studio in her house with just stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I loved, I loved going in there. And when I was two, she even let me play with oil pastels. How mm. brave. How brave yes. a mother to let the two-year-old have oil pastels. Um, but yeah, I know. I just loved the growing up like that. And so in 
did you ever, did you think that you'd be an artist when you grew up? No, I thought, I was kind of raising, I'm a parent working class, you got a job and like maybe you do art on the side for fun. Right, yeah. So yeah, I grew up with that mentality. You know, and what did you, think I, you, what did you think you wanted to be? A psychologist or something. <laughs> Therapist. Yeah. That's what I thought I was going to be. I like, I like to talk to people, hear how they think, study how, you know, uh, yeah. or history. I, I wanted to do or literature. It was something like that. Like um, I was very interested in black literature um, and also uh, psychology, you know, something, something in those lines is where I thought I was going to go. And so um, like in high school and stuff, were you still, were you still making art? Like were you taking art classes or were you just dabbling at home or was it, had you sort of stopped by then or what was going on in high school? I think I, I was definitely doing art and I believe my art teacher really wanted me to apply to art school Yeah. instead of like a four year, you know, the Spelman. She was like, no, you're going to art school. And I didn't think of it as a viable option really. Yeah. You know, so it was like, I can't go to art school. I have to, you know, get a job afterward. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know, so I, I didn't think of it in, I w- I'm blessed at all, you know, um, where I'm supposed to be, but I remember my art teacher definitely slightly, I felt a little disappointed that um, I wasn't pushing hard enough in that aspect. Huh. And so you went to Spelman. Did you go right out of high school? I went right out of high school. And I, just like uh, to do like a liberal arts degree? Like what were you going yes. in for? I went, un, I, I think I started off undecided, but I was yeah. taking classes. I made sure I took art class. I made sure like, you know, and then I also had like a site early psych class. I was dabbling. I was trying to figure it out. And, um, yeah, I think that you have to do that. I, you know, I think back now to going off to school, like my mom is an artist, my dad's a scientist. And so same thing, I went to school for marine biology because I just thought, well, you don't go for art. That's crazy. Like (laughs) you gotta have a job coming out of this. And then my dad actually, the scientist said at the end of my first year, he's like, you need to switch into art, which is amazing for a scientist and a dad to say. Um, But like even Amy was saying that, that she was dabbling and like didn't know and was going to maybe be a doctor. And I think it's so hard for kids. You're 18 years old. And how are you supposed to know? It's a very rare kid that knows what they want to be. Right. Yeah. And so when you were doing like in that first year, were you starting to go, ooh, maybe it should be art? Yeah, I remember when I first got to the school, I brought like my portfolio to the art department and I wanted to skip basic classes. I remember I went to the head of the department. I said, I don't want to be, you know, I want to see if I'm really going to do this. I, I was, I was in the back of my head, kind of, you know, maybe yeah. where am I? And I remember they let me skip a couple intro classes. Oh. Um, but I made, I made sure I went in for, you know, I took it seriously, but I didn't know how far it could go, you know, but I did. I remember that I, I, and that's how Amy is, um, I believe a year ahead of me. So that's why I was able to have classes with her. Okay. Yeah. And she, she, um, well, she did a bunch of other stuff first too, even before mm-hmm. she started taking. Cl- yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so 
what did you graduate with? An art major. I ended up oh. switching to art in the end. Oh, okay. But then, and yeah, I did. I ended up saying, I'm an art major. You know, I'm, I'm just going to focus here. And then I went to NYU for grad school in painting. And did you go right painting. after or did you take yes. a break? Yeah, you went right I after. I did not take a break. Mm-mm. I wow. And so, that, you, sorry? I regret that, though. Do you? Mm-hmm. I think I needed a, I needed time in between. Yeah, I think um, it is. And I, I didn't do my master's and um, my plan was to do it right out of school. But uh, I mean, I, now, I'm now 47 and I still haven't done it. But um, I think people that take a break. Yeah, because you you grow up a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of know what you want to say. But OK, now, hold on. So I've done some reading about you. And mm-hmm. there's something in there about graphic design. Yes. So, OK, yes. so you go and you do your MA in painting. Uh-huh. And then, then what happens? <laughs> and then Mark Echo um, of Echo Unlimited Clothing. I remember it was a very popular clothing line. Yeah. With the Rhino. He came to my oh. art show. And um, he was at my art show and he offered me a job. Oh. Right out, right out. So for me to think to go paint, I was like, I got a job offer. I can, you know, I didn't even know much with computers. I was actually not great graphic design but then they taught me basic things and I was doing t-shirts I was doing their male and men men's line and female um women's line of uh, echo unlimited t-shirts those rhinos oh my god (laughs) so I worked there and I'm doing clothing design Uh, but not design but just like the images on the t-shirts and yeah um, it was fun um it was kind of hard to translate in my brain and then I started losing it. Like how, how many times am I going to flip this rhino in different ways? You know, like what, you know, like, um, I kind of felt, you know, it just, it wasn't, um, right for me. It was a great environment though, to come right out and have a job offer. Um, and it was, they were, he was a wonderful person. I worked directly with him, um, often. Um, but, but yeah, so I was doing that. I, I did a little lot. Wow. And so were you still painting, like when you'd go home from work? No. No. I think, um, that's why I was saying I felt like I should have taken a break from grad school. When I was in grad school, no one was doing figurative work with me in my oh. program, in my program. And I was questioned often why I was doing that, you know, like. First of all, you know, painting was dead, you know, at that moment. And, or that's what they were saying, you know. And I'm doing this figurative work. And at the time, the work was looking a lot like uh, Clint or something. You know, like, why are you doing these um, these images? And I, I don't think I had enough resources or things to pull on to understand why I was compelled to do it. I couldn't back myself up. I mean, mm. I think they're supposed to question you and get you hard to understand where you are, but I didn't have enough to defend myself. So I started questioning myself and then going, you know, I would paint these images at the time I would do like small, very hyper-realistic images on a large field. And people would think I was taping photographs. That's what they would say. Like, why are you, why'd you glue that photograph to the corner? (laughs) Oh my God. Say, it's not a photograph. I painted it. So why did you paint it instead of use a photograph? 
And those questions I couldn't answer. And then I started thinking, yeah, why am I doing this? Like maybe I'm antiquated. Um, and again, I wasn't seeing photorealistic painting at the moment. I couldn't find me anywhere, right. um, especially with black female um, artists. Yeah, you know, I wasn't finding that voice in that yeah. way. I saw like photorealism, maybe it would be Chuck Close or something. But I, but at the time, I wasn't um, finding where I should go. And I think I was just kind of young. Yeah. So then I just started doubting why I was doing it. So then I would paint everything as hard as I could to not be photorealistic. And it became very, and then I came from a graphic background. It became very graphic, became much more commercial. I was in a commercial house setting. And I was thinking of myself as more of a commercial artist or what I'm, you know, and, and, and then I got lost in that. So at that time when my brain was all processing this, I was just young in New York with a job, going to work and then going to parties in New York at the time. <laughs> That's what I did. I, I would just like hang out. That sounds pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but it wasn't it wasn't um, developing my spirit or my talent as a painter. Well, yeah. uh, but it was but it was, you know, a break, I guess. So I did do that for a few years. And then when um, was this was this in the like the 90s? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. 2000s. Early okay. 2000s. Early 2000s. So 2001. Yeah. And that was the time of the figure is dead. Um, yeah. yeah. And so um, did you just, so you start working, worked for Echo for a while. Did mm. you continue in, in graphic design then? You just sort of moved from there? Yeah, I would take a little jobs here and there. And then I like quit. I quit randomly. And they, I remember they didn't, they didn't understand why I was quitting. And I was like, cause I want to paint. And I remember someone saying, what are you going to do? Paint houses? What are you talking about? You just going to paint. I remember that. And I was like, no, I think I need to leave. Cause I need to paint. Like, I don't like, I'm. And then they thought I was getting recruited from another company. Like who's coming after you? Like who's with graphic, you know, they thought yeah. some other designer. And I had to keep saying, no, I really don't have another job offer. I'm being like crazy right now. I'm just like quitting. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that was, I look back and I was like, dag, I was silly. You know, like I needed a job before I quit a job. I just was like, I, I just couldn't do another Ryan in my head. I was like, I'm not like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And I was like, so um, I think they offered me to work in the magazine at the time. They were, they were developing complex. And um, I didn't. I, 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 um, I had a boyfriend at the time who's now my husband. And I was home, I went and I just was painting and, um, I don't, I can't say I was doing great work at the time, but I Were was you letting realism back in or not yet a little bit. Yeah. But it wasn't photo realism or hyper realism or whatever you want to call my work. Um, I was still afraid or not afraid, maybe afraid, but also lost in the value of it. Right. Um, a while for me to own it because it's the easiest thing. It's my natural instinct. Like if I'm going to paint something, that's the natural thing to do is to make it as I can just paint. I can look at it and paint it very realistically. It's harder for me not to. Which um, is insane in, to me because like I cannot create like that. So it's amazing to me that that is the, the easier way for you to create. Yeah, it's, it's like, but then there's like, why am I a photo? Like if there's a camera here, photocopy machine, what's the point, right? 
I, I, I would just get lost in that. Like, what am I going to do different? Right. You know, it, uh, maybe my photographer, what am I? So it wasn't until probably in the last six or seven years when water um, really connected into my practice that I could use it. It was almost like it clicked in my puzzle, in mm -hmm. my what I could do. Because in the water, I can fudge it. I do use photo references, but um, I can use this photo, that photo, match it together like a quilt areas mm. that I like. And not only that, but I lose looking at the photo at times. I end up making up the water or yeah. the or the feeling and then, but people still see it as a photo. Me, I could see that I've made all this section up, but <laughs> if you really look at the work, it's just that you're looking at it and your eye is trained with the realism of the figure and the body. And it looks so real that you accept the other areas. I mean, if you looked at, um, maybe the painting were reflecting my grace or sovereignty, uh, um, what is it is reflecting my grace and radiating my sovereignty in there, in the areas on the sides of the figure, if you just isolate it, I mean, it could have been fabric, right? You know, it could be all different things. And if you really, if that wasn't with the figure and no, and seeing it as blue, I don't think you'd see water, you know, you see water in the context of it blue and she looks wet and then you, you know, you make yeah, it up. Your, but brain, then I, your brain fills you, in the your rest. Your brain filled it all in. Yeah, you know, or even well, it's um, cool because it's like it's it is it's abstraction and like hyper real at the exact same time. Yes, yes, and that's where I was like, I can do something different with this, with with what I can do, and that's when it became interesting and fun for me. That's when it so was what, like, okay, I what got was it. the moment? Like, what? Where? Like, were you out for a swim? Like, what? When was the moment that you were like, oh my gosh, water? Well, I was starting to swim as an exercise in the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. I thought I could swim learning at the public pool, <laughs> you know, like as a kid, I was like, I used to go to public pool and I could, I could, and I didn't realize until I went to this, um, master swim club. Team. Oh God. Like, my, my friend told me, she was like, come to this master swim. You can swim. I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go swim. I couldn't get across one time. The, I the know. coach gave me a kickboard and I was like, <laughs> oh man, she gave me a kickboard. Like, you need to learn how to kick. She, she, it was clear. I did not really know how to swim. I knew how to not drown, you know, <laughs> and I, and I didn't know that I was so like, I don't know. And then it wasn't until I joined there and I started swimming and it was like learning something new, um, for me and even humbling myself that I was like, dang, I didn't know how to swim this whole time. Okay. And then, um, so she put me at the very, like, you can't even be with the other people go all the way to the side and take this <laughs> kickboard. <laughs> and then put you learn how to breathe and then learn how to move your arms. You know, like they she took one step at a time with me and the coach. It's really funny. The, I, I swim with um, this one. I don't know if I should name it, but um, the swim team and the coach would use me example when new people come. They're like, I'm not that good. Look, look at Kalita right there. She <laughs> couldn't do anything when she got here. We thought she was going to quit. You know, now she's over here. You know, I'm the first child of anyone can learn to swim. It's Kalita, you know what I mean? Like she can show you that you don't need any skill, you know? And, um, Here's a kickboard. We'll see you in a yeah, little while. Get, 
forth. Just get out the pool. Like you're going to drown. You're scaring us. Just take the board and just go back and forth for a bit. So, you know, um, but it wasn't until I was swimming a lot and recognizing how I felt afterward. I felt so much lighter and better. And it didn't matter. Now, at the time when I started, I was probably home more with my children. And, um, you know, it's stressful. You know, when you're home, I get, right now where everyone's home with their children, but it's just very like a lot of like stress, you know, did you, you know, you draw on the wall again and you're after yeah. this small child and did you work, someone spilled something, there's some diaper to change it. It's like, you know, it's a, to keep your, especially if you want to keep your house clean, you know, or if you, you know, yeah, a child well. is the worst little <laughs> yeah. you know thing for that. And, and you, have, um, you have three kids, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Three kids at home. And so that was when I swim. When I'd come home and my daughter, you know, took a crayon and draw on the wall, I'd be like, ah, that's nice. You know, <laughs> was, it was like, it didn't like make me go, ah, you know, like it, it calmed me and yeah. I could see it a different way. And I'm like, ah, oh, just paint over it. Like it, it just took the sharpness out of things. Yeah. And I think any exercise can do that or any therapeutic exercise where you're breathing. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, meditation, you know, or there, you know, there is. Yeah, there is something about water though. Like I, I thought same thing. I thought I could swim, and then I met a friend through my son when they were, they were about six, and I just loved this mom instantly. I just wanted to be her friend, <laughs> so I was you know desperate to do whatever she wanted. And she was like, I was thinking I might try a triathlon, and I I'm a runner, but oh god, not so much with the swimming. And she's like, and I, but I wanted to be her friend so badly that I was like, okay. Let's do a triathlon. And so we met up at the, you know, the local pool. And same thing, I I did like a length and a half and I thought I was going to die. And I was like, how am I going to do a triathlon? But, you know, we kept showing up and I kept swimming and swimming. And same thing, this lightness. And now if I ever have a creative problem to solve, like I can't figure out, you know, something like a composition or like a title of something... I'll go for a swim and I figure it out. Do you find that? Like, yes. it's so meditative that, that you can just be in a different zone. Yeah. You can't think about those problems. It's like your brain gets a break. You yeah. Know, because I'm just like, breathe in, out is my stroke rate, is my kicking. I just stay, if I can stay in the water and getting centered on swimming, all the other things are paused. Yeah. I'm not psychological I'm not working on the, another pro, like overworking a problem right and um when I felt that way I um I just started thinking of um myself as an artist and um, I got pregnant with my third child and I remember thinking am I am I gonna keep painting or am I gonna become a collector like maybe hmm. I just instead of me buying all this you know these art supplies trying to have a studio trying to paint and figure this out I wanted to be a part of the art world but I didn't know if I was gonna um how I was gonna continue especially with another child and when so I I remember going to Spelman going back to Spelman um to visit to do a talk because at the time I was doing a blog called crazy mom with kids (laughs) and uh and the uh the art department saw and they loved I wrote something actually about Sandra Bland I wrote a story mm. about her, um, and as a mom, I'm raising a young girl that, you know, speaks her voice, and, you know, just all, I wrote this whole thing, and they asked me to come down and speak to the students, 
And um, I also had written a children's book. So they were like, you know, I was doing all this stuff with kids, you know, so at the time with those home and they, um, when I was talking to my old professor, I was like, I don't know, I'm pregnant again. I don't know if I should even just keep painting. And he was like, why do you keep putting a ceiling over yourself? You know, and you're, you know, you, you just do it. Why are you talking about how you can't and what things look like? And, you know, and I was just thinking about that. And so I did like these five uh, paintings of myself, nude, pregnant. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen those on my site, like, and I put myself up against glass and my head. Yes, yes, I, yeah. And I had to paint myself out of it. Like, I, and I had to, and I used water to release myself in those. And it was really a personal for me. I keep it on my site just to show, but that's the beginning of it. I was like, the only way I'm going to get out is, is through water. And I'm going to use that in my art practice. So I'm, I'm, I put myself in a very vulnerable position. I'm nate, I'm nude, pregnant, not my best looking self. I felt, um, I felt raw up against this glass ceiling huh. and I had to get myself, I had to dissolve it with water because I was starting to think of water. And that's what it was. The pool was dissolving those issues. And then I used transcend was the last image of those five that I painted where I was fully in water. And then I said, okay, now I can start painting other people and deal with other issues in water. And so that was the beginning for me. I did it as like an exercise and there are large four by four, not, I don't know how large you consider four by five portraits of myself as larger than life. And in each of those panels, I get larger you know, I get bigger than the box that I'm in and Hmm. I'm dissolving. I'm becoming part of the water. I'm finding things in myself, galaxies, spaces. I don't know. It was all became symbolic. And I use all of those tools that I developed and symbols of the galaxies of the stars, the water, um, being free mentally of the constraints that you put on yourself in those panels. And that's what I'm using as like my toolbox. So oh even God. with, um, in the life of Stefan Clark, that was the first one I said, you know, Stefan Clark happened. I'm sitting here feeling like I want to rage on social media. I want to repost everybody, everything everyone else is writing and posting. And I said, no, I can paint. My nephew came to visit and I saw him come off the plane. He was uh, turning 16 at the time, but I'm sure people thought he was a man because a mm. black boy and the adultification of the black body is clear. You know, they police or people usually use black children or look like they're older in their minds. Um, and I was just thinking if he was in a backyard, someone would shoot him, you know, like this, it did the cops <sighs> would see they wouldn't see him as a person. They see him yeah. as a threat, his body. And I said, you know, can you get in the pool with me? You know, you come to visit, <laughs> you get in the pool, you know? <laughs> and so I uh, took pictures of him. And I painted him and I did that portrait and I thought of him and, and I looked at the autopsy reports that they were showing on television during the trial of Stefan Clark and they were showing where the bullets hit, these seven bullets. And on his body, the upper half, I put a galaxy where a shot hit, you know, because wow. just thinking if you can open us up, you can't even see the untapped potential. And I think of that as galaxies, these stars, like every time I, you know, read anything like is Pluto a planet or is not a planet? Like we're always discovering so much in our galaxy. We just don't know. It is clear. We do not know our, like the, the, the theories and science is all evolving and changing. And it's, we, you know, what 
what I was taught before, my daughters are taught differently now. And it's clear that it's unknown space, you know? And mm-hmm. so I thought of that in all of us. And I was like, these cops just can't see it. You know, maybe just people just cannot see. This is a, a vessel with untapped potential, like, or, or just so much inside. They only see a shell or whatever stereotype they've been um, taught. Or, or, or what they have accepted as a stereotype of a being that this person is less human without this potential inside. And so sometimes I'll put galaxies in the water. I see light in a way that reflects and it just looks like stars to me. Mm-hmm. It looks like glowing, you know, light looks just when I'm swimming in the pool, especially if there are times in um, when I'm swimming and, you know, I'm on the swim team. And she does do sometimes I'll do some kickboard when I'm doing the kickboard and I'm the, the pool's outside and I see the light shimmering off my arms. I'm studying it. It just looks godly. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, when you see it reflect up in the light and that's what I want to capture, you know, that the, we are more than this. It's also much more than this. We, we have so much inside of us mm-hmm. and, uh, Doing that with the black figure, I think, is very important, especially today, where we're watching the uh, the sad state of affairs, which most of black culture or people of color of all realize have been saying um, for years and, you know, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, it has been um, swept under the rug or people don't want to accept it. So they say you're exaggerating or whatever is usually told when we're, you know, we're speaking our truth. We seem... You know, like it's not that bad. You know, you try to quell our thoughts, which only angers. You know, but yeah. I can see now, especially these protests that we're there, uh, especially with the diversity in the um, in the protesters. It is clear yeah. that some people are here, some people are listening, and there's a change. Do you feel like that? Like, um, I know when when Me Too was happening, I was like, I actually feel like something is going to change. Like instead of just, you know, yeah, 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 we'll wait till this goes away until the news cycle turns to something else and, you know, nothing will happen for, for women. And um, But to me, it felt like there was a tide turning. This feels, I mean, granted, I'm a white lady from Canada, but it, this feels so much louder than it has before. Do you feel like that? Or do you, are you worried that like next week, something new will come on the news and people will stop this momentum? Um, no, does it feel different this time? It it does feel different. Yeah. It does feel different to me in the fact that, um, I think there was a perfect storm. Yeah. The fact that quarantine was going on, and people um, were looking at their, you know, probably social media more than ever and mm-hmm. watching that news cycle over and over. Or, you know, there wasn't other ways to distract in, in ways like your everyday work day and certain things to minimalize the pain a little bit that you could use as a, you know, an escape. Yeah. You got to really see it. Um, I think that. That, with coming from um, Ahmad Aubrey right before, yeah. So it was like a double thing right there, and then even that Amy Cooper video. 
I know that was that horrifying. Yes. And just her voice pitch changing and becoming the victim in her own. I think she really started believing it in her own mind. Like she started like she went into a performance state. Yeah. You know, and she was like, I'm afraid, you know, even though it was clearly she wasn't, she was after, you know, going after her trying to kick the camera, very angry. Um, but then she, you know, somewhat unstable, but anyway, it was, you know, she looked a little unstable, but, but it was there and that, you know, and then I, you know, you can't help but the other local stories that are coming on as well, where there was a woman in the newspaper, I read maybe a week after that, who accused two black men of, uh, you know, I think hijacking her car, I don't know, something and killing her child. But then you see on the video that she killed her child. But she said two black men took my baby oh my or something. God. So I saw that. And that was like right after. It was like all, like you can't, there's all of these, these, um, you just think of how many times uh, black people have been hurt, abused when the camera is not around. Yeah. And um, how many people are sitting in jail for such small offenses. And um it angers. And I think that all of that happening during this quarantine time, it just blew up. Mm-hmm. And Trump on top of that, I'll yeah. say his name. I'll say the guy's name. That on top of how he responds. Um, it's sickening. It's, it's just a, a, it's a yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, re- like strange being Canadian too, because um, a lot of my friends are American, especially my friends on social media. And that's how I stay in touch with them, you know, and there's all these things about, you know, call your senators and whatever. And I'm like, I don't have a Senator. Like, who do I call? Like, (laughs) you know, and they're like, vote in November. I'm like, I wish I could. And so it's, um, you know, of course there's, there's systemic racism in Canada too. And, um, I think it's a time for, um, people to like really look in the mirror and, and really say like, you know, Oh, I'm not racist. Well, well, uh, great. What, what are you doing? Like, are you just going about your day or are you actually like actively doing something to, to change the world, you know? And, um, I feel like there just feels like this momentum and I, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can. And I hope that everybody does everything that they can, because I just, I think I've lived in this little naive little world of mine. I live in a tiny town and I'm just like, la la la, you know, like, um, I love everybody. Like mm-hmm. why, why mm-hmm. doesn't everybody just love everybody? I, you know, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. And like, that's what I teach my son, right? He's, he's, um, about to turn 14. You have a 14 year old, don't you? Yes. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a 14 year old son and you know, that's what we've always taught him that people are just people, you know, like, and I think I'm just so naive in thinking that, 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 why doesn't everyone just think of it like that? And then you see this stuff and you see these videos. Like, I'm so glad that he recorded her in the park. Like Mm -hmm. we need to see that stuff to like slap us out of it and go, okay, this is crazy. Like this, (laughs) this is normal for black people have to deal with this every day. It's just normal. And that's Mm -hmm. horrifying. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what it is too. I think people, don't understand the definition of racism. And I feel like people say, I'm not a racist because they're not burning crosses at night. 
Mm. Yeah, (laughs) but they don't understand it. There's a lot in between from where they are to burning a cross that you could be racist, you know, and then raising our children with saying theory of how we want things to go be, but yet we watch, I mean, and I'm not, this is everyone, like my children look at television. I'm not trying to say this a way that um, makes me in any, you know, different, but we let our children watch a television, which is filled with stereotypes. Right. And so if the character on their television, you know, um, if you're looking at a network for children and the black character comes on, a lot, most times they will be the comedic relief hmm. or they will be um, um, the vil, like the, the thug, you know, something scary, you yeah. know, that mm-hmm. something from, you know, um, the hip hop cool figure, you know, like the, like the cool, you know, it, yeah. they're, they're very stereo to the athlete. Um, rather than like the teacher in the, in the show or the um, principal or the uh, scientist. Right. You have them more as like the athlete or the comedian or the angry person Um, or, you know, or, you know, so, and if the children are constantly seeing that and let alone not having much activity or relationships with people of color and that um, it gets ingrained and so even if we're saying, you know, we want you to love everyone, they're seeing that and then they don't have interaction and this is all they know. Right. And it gets planted as like a little seed not, of truth. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. And then you look at the news and, you know, all you see um, on certain um, news web ner- uh, networks are black people being arrested for this and that or the stereotype of the, or what happened with the war on drugs. They just went into black community and you could see, you know, at the time when it was like crack epidemic, they were making these, the the images of, you know, um, what was happening in the black community. Um, but they did not do that for meth. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. You know, they don't do that. You know, these people are a victim of a problem we need to help. But when the black community, you know, when something happened to black community, we were less human. Um, and so it, all of those type of things, um, happen. And when you're young and you're looking at TV or even when you're older and you're looking at all this, and this is the only input and way to know of blackness, I don't see how you can help but be somewhat racist. You can't, we're in a racist society, you know? And so it's, it will go much deeper than that it's like recognizing it and then trying to figure out how to get less racist (laughs) yeah oh my god it's we have already created that i remember looking at this tv show that i love i don't want to bash a name of a show but i I remember loving this one show and i watched it all the time and they didn't have many black characters and i could see when it got to a season they wanted to get put some black people in there it crushed my heart because they wrote i was like, oh, the writers don't know any black people. They just made such stereotypical <laughs> characters. They destroyed the whole series for me. You know, I remember. Mm, yeah. But uh, just don't write them in. <laughs> or yeah. if you're going to write them in, can you know someone, get someone black to write it? You can't. Yeah, I was going to say, hire a black writer. <laughs> you don't know. You made every stereotype. And it just, I was like, it was just so disheartening. 
because mm-hmm. you could see great tension, but they, you could see in the writing, they couldn't even help their stereotypes. They couldn't, cause that's the only way they know and they believe it. Well, and it probably and, goes even higher up too. Like the network is like, well, no, it's gotta, you know, gotta be a comedian or this or that. Like, you know, they've got their formula and they're like, just do it like this. Works. Yeah, why people like to laugh, you know, make them laugh. <laughs> so, oh <God>. oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it, there is. Uh, we're working on a system, and that's why we're talking about systematic um, racism. You know, in the culture, it's it's larger than the incidences of just the police. I mean, the police, we can see the justice system um, definitely needs reform. Um, the police uh, department and all of that. There, there's no doubt. But it's it's larger than that when we talk about, you know, um, raising children to not be racist. Yeah. It, it's something to combat on a, on a different level, you know. Um, and um, it's hard. It's hard. Do your girls, do you have three girls? Yes, I do. And a son. Did- my husband oh. came um, when I got married. He was my, my stepson was a gift with my marriage. He's oh. older though, <laughs> but I have three girls at home right now. That's amazing. And and so do you um, like? Did they? First of all, I mean, what do they think of what's happening right now? Or are um, they are they like how how what's the range? Is the is your fourteen year old the oldest? My fourteen year old is oldest in home. She is about to be fifteen. Okay. 12 year old and then I have a four-year-old oh yes she's about to be five and she will remind you every day of that birthday <laughs> in all the end of August every day she wakes up my birthday tomorrow no <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god that's so cute I've seen pictures of her on Instagram she's ridiculously cute her, those big eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you um it is Hard. It is hard to shield it. Um, I, my oldest is a little, is definitely aware. I mean, I have to, because of the quarantine, I've probably loosened up even more with the phone with the kids. Yeah. Um, so they are on it and my daughter is all into it. And one time I'll tell you this, I woke up at three in the morning and I said, Oh, her TV or something's on. I could hear. So I get up to go and tell her to, you know, cut the TV off in her room her monitor or whatever. Um, and when I go in there, she's on the phone at three. I said, what are you doing? She was like, I'm arguing with some kids in Minnesota. You know, like <laughs> I got these kids and I'm talking about racism. You know, she's up on these chats. And I was like, girl, you got to go to bed. You know, I like, can't, <laughs> can't do this, you know. Um, but I'm sure some people are doing that. And uh, so she's very much, um, aware we actually um me and my oldest daughter went to a protest yesterday together um in wow. so I do talk to him with my middle child she's a little less she has also a different personality I don't want to frighten her in a certain way so it's very hard so I do little bits of information she takes things in a little differently yeah. but she um but yesterday with both girls, when my youngest was asleep, I did put on Al Sharpton's eulogy of George uh, Floyd and I had them watch it. We all watched it together. I said, this is a really good eulogy. And then I answered questions um, to my 
middle child, my older girl knew a lot more. And so I just kind of talked her through and I let her look at that eulogy. I said, look at this, look what he's saying. And this is why he's saying, you know, and so we kind of talked a little bit. And so I will expose them in that way. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you just said all of that about like TV and everything, because I didn't even think of that. Like that's, and I, I'm embarrassed that I didn't even think of that. Um, and I'm definitely going to talk to my son about it because, you know, we do. We live in small town Canada. Like, um, and, you know, he's friends with everybody. He doesn't think anything. But I've never, like, I, I, yeah, I'm embarrassed. But I'm definitely going to talk to him about that. Yeah, it's, it's if he's never, if he doesn't interact, and then, yeah, like, it's the yeah, television yeah. is feeding him an image, right? And it's yes. over and over and over. And you can't, especially if you look at uh, like the Disney Channel. To me, yeah. When I look at that, it is, is definitely uh, what I see that um, in a lot of the programming. I hope that they, you know, I don't want to. Hope I don't have to. I not call people out? I don't know. But well, um, I don't think that can hurt. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's true, true, right? Maybe I'm yeah. supposed to. But I do see that with my, I'm afraid of her watching sometimes um, that channel because it, it fulfills to me a lot of stare, like the, when they have like the kids or whatever shows or like preteens. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the black oh. characters always like this, you know. Well, those joke. shows are really hard to watch anyway. <laughs> I know. They are. They are hard to watch anyway. They are. Um, very disrespectful children too. On the yes. Shows. <laughs> They're just like, like, why are you talking back like that? Um, yeah, so the, so. With that, you know, I have to watch, you know, make sure monitor what they're watching. Even my four-year-old, um, she wanted to look at this show. And I've talked to her. I say, you know, why mommy, why doesn't mommy want you to look at this? And she said, because there's no people on there that look like me ever. I say, yeah, exactly. Like, it's really hard for me to watch. And then my daughter's like, but we can love other colors, mom. I can look at shows, which, you know, I said, I know, <laughs> you know. But it, I know, babe. But I, just, I just wanted her to see herself. Yes. And just being very careful to see how she sees herself in the imagery. If she's going to look at the show and take in that information that becomes her hard wiring. Yep. I need to make sure that it's positive. Um, that she, you know, can see herself and love herself through the imagery. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, even like you in art school, you know, yeah. saying like when you were painting, you know, um, not only figures, but black female figures, like you, you couldn't see yourself in the art world, no. you know, and if you had, it would have been, it could have been different sooner or, you know what I mean? Like, but if you just yeah. don't see yourself. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I was just, I was talking, I did this um, call yesterday with um, like a mastermind group for women artists and I had this whole plan of what I was going to talk about and it all completely went to exactly this conversation of course um, and it was a very raw very hard conversation but I mean that's what we need to do we need to have these it, we got to stop being polite people actually have to look in the mirror um, and one of the things um, for me that came up um, a couple of days ago I wrote a book um, called a big important art book now with women, because when I was in art school and I minored in art history, we didn't learn about women. And I was like, mm-hmm. um, I would like to be an artist when I grow up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Where are the women? Um, and um, the teacher said, well, of course there was lots of women, but they weren't considered worthy enough to document. 
And I thought, well, screw that. Um, and so, and I mean, that was 25 years ago when I was in, I graduated in 95 and it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, and it was still happening. And so I pitched this book in 2017 and I got, I'd already written a few books. It got rejected by five publishers because they said no one would want to read a book about women. Anywho, it did yeah. get picked up. It got published. And I worked very, very hard to make sure that there was diversity in the book, not only for race, but like um, trans and sexual orientation and mediums and ages and all of this stuff. So anyway, somebody wrote on one of my posts the other day, well, how many women of color are in that book? And I mm. said, they're out of the 45 contemporary bios, there are 11 Mm-hmm. And I said, I wish there were more, but I was turned down by 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was me being defensive, being like, mm-hmm. well, I tried. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I've been crying about this and thinking about this because I do have a big platform. And I didn't ever set out to have a big platform. I set out just to, like, write about stuff to make me be, like, to, exactly what you said. Like, I was trying to figure out my place. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, learn about as much art as I could so I could find my place. Anywho, um, so I got super defensive and then I thought, no, that's wrong. Like, this is a time for us to listen. Like, I can't get defensive. And I was talking to my husband about it and I said, you know what? The reason I got rejected by those women was because when they look at my site, they don't see themselves. You know, I, um, I, 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 Try, I mean, I try to write about everybody. I, I write about art that I find that I love. But mm-hmm. then I realized I'm not looking in the all the right spots. I'm looking at this galleries and whatever that are rep- like that represent a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. And so every day I have a post because every day I find work I love and I write about it. But I'm not finding where the black artists are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like that that is on me and i need to open up um and and find new venues like find new people and um new galleries and new communities for me to write about and then hopefully the next time i write a book um you know people like your daughters like w- mm-hmm. will see themselves on my site and feel like they are part of this community that i'm building and that is a huge thing that i've realized and take conf- complete ownership over and again feel so embarrassed that I thought I was doing a great job I'm like oh my god I was not doing a great job so right there like that's sort of I mean that's just the first little thing I've learned out of this and my plan is to keep learning and to keep growing as much as I can and having you on here and hearing your thoughts and your experiences it's so important to me and to everybody that's listening oh thank you I mean I'll say this me too I relate to what you just said. You have to remember, I was coming out of grad school and I was like, I can't find myself. But Studio Museum of Harlem was right there. And I didn't do the work to go there. I didn't really, I might have heard of it, but I wasn't really being a part of the community. I mean, Nicolene Thomas, they were showing black female artists mm-hmm. and black artists. But I was down in Soho at NYU with that group that I learned. I came from, you know, Atlanta. I didn't know anyone. And I went to my school, but they weren't sending me there. You know, the teachers. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really pay attention at the time that I probably could have found artists that were working because they were there. I just wasn't connected. And I didn't do my work to say, 
where are they? You know what I mean? Um, and I lost something there. Um, I lost some time with that. But then I just say, you know what? We're all a work in progress. And we're all yeah. growing. And I'm happy where I am right now. And so I was meant for this to happen. You know, I, I let go of what I could. You know, you could go back and say, oh, with anything in your life, what you could have done or how you yeah. could have done this differently. It's always a time. You know, we're always reflecting. But um, the thing is, is we're here now and we recognize we need, you know, to do things differently in the future and myself included. I think mm -hmm. there are black artists at the time working. I could have been, I mean, I think I knew Adrian Piper at the time. I was looking at her work a little, um, but I could have gone a little further. I think I could have found myself. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I wasn't in, I didn't have professors that were helping me with that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think I needed more time for my own development or maybe um, researched different school you know I don't know yeah yeah but, but you know isn't it great yeah, to be in your 40s though like don't you find like yeah. yeah it's like your eyes open up um somebody when I was in my 30s somebody a friend of mine that was a bit older she said oh just wait till you turn 40 she's like they call it fuck it 40 for a reason yeah. <laughs> and it's true you kind of get to 40 and you're like you start to know yourself and you I don't know I think it's a great time and um I you know I just really I do feel like there's momentum and I really hope that my Pollyanna view like actually becomes reality where our communities can, you know, be all interwoven. Like that's how it should be. We're all just people. Like I just, I want that so badly. And so I'm going to yeah. do my part. No, yeah. We're all, you know, and we're all different and those differences are beautiful. You know, yeah. like um, we don't need to marginalize ourselves to be one way. Um, yeah. And um you know, it's it's definitely a time of change, and I think people are on all fronts trying to um, do better. I hope. Yeah. I hope so too. Um, before I let you go, I've had you already for an hour, but I really want to talk about quickly um, um, Tanahasi Coates's book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so. Everybody probably knows this book. When I posted about you the other day, people were like, did she paint the cover of The Water Dancer? Like, yep, she sure did. Um, so that book um, is amazing and powerful. And had, I, <laughs> it became Oprah's book club book. Mm -hmm. And there is a video of Oprah sitting there reading that book, holding your painting in her hands. What did you think when you saw that? It was awesome. Um, it was awesome. I, it was, because you guys are friends from college, right? Yes. Yeah. And so did, how, well, how did he end up, how did you end up doing the, the cover of the book? So, um, we are friends for many years. Um, when he was at Howard, my cousin, um, was at Howard and I would go to their, you know, spring breaker events, run up there sometimes. And I'd hang with all of her friends and he was one of them. And then we were both in New York. Um, I became close with his wife, too, because we were in a book club together. Mm. Anyway, so I was still in contact more with her. And um, when she came to L.A. for some friends, she came to my studio. And she saw the paintings of myself. You know, those five oh, that I was okay. talking about. Yeah. Designing in the water and explaining it to her. A finding, a journey, you know, self-discovery and... Um, I'm becoming something else. And I was just talking to her about, you know, my evolution as an artist um, in a personal way. And so then she told Tanahasi, 
when you go to LA, you've got to go by Kalita's studio. And so he called and said, you know, I want to come by, we could do lunch and we'll see your studio work. And so I didn't know at the time, but he was writing um, Water Dancer. And so when he came and I'm telling him, going through the steps of this evolution of self, of me being here and then turning into water, um, he was like, this is crazy. Like I'm working on this book. I've been working on it for a long time, but I'm rewriting and I'm coming to LA to work on it. Would you want to stab at the cover, you know, try to do it? And, um, and so I did, I said, yeah, I'll be honored to let me try. And so he's like, I can't tell you what the publishers are going to say. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but just do something, you know? So I, he said to do some sketches, but I'm not confident that if I did some sketches, they would get what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I got very small canvases. And I said, the worst case scenario, I'll say, I read his book. Now, not knowing how big it was going to be or anything. I was like, worst case scenario, um, I'll have these paintings that I say was inspired by this book, you know? And if they don't take it, it's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got canvases and I, he was sending me the manuscript while he was writing it in very raw form. It was very, like a lot of pages, just, just sending me stuff while he was writing. And I was just thinking and then I would just paint. And I'd send him, sent him the first one I finished. And I remember his response was like, wait, did you paint this? I thought you were going to do a sketch. <laughs> that was his text to me. And I was like, sorry, I just did this painting. But remember, there's going to be more. And then it was just like, he didn't like write anymore in the text. <laughs> so that oh. was, it's okay. Then I feel like I'm, a, I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to do more. Right? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. This is just. Hello, a are you still there? Yeah. You know, so I'm, but what I didn't know is he was sending the image out to the different people oh that he was God. working with. Is it the one that you went, is it one that's on the cover? Um, no, it's hey. not the one that was on the cover. It's the one that, um, if you go to my website, it was the one on the cover was the second one I did. Okay. Um, if you go to my water dancer, I'm going to look and just double check. I don't, I say it right. Um. The first one I painted was when it calls where the arm is kind of up. So I sent that one, the, oh, okay. the second image in those, in that water dancer series on my site, when it called. And I, that's the one I first did. And he was like, you know, and he loved it. And I, then he was like, I was like, I'm doing my, I was like, keep going. They love it. And I was like, they love it. I, I didn't know you sent it. Like, I didn't know he was sending it to the people, the publishing house. I, I was going to do three and submit them and let them, and pick but he right. had sent it in in excitement which is awesome but I didn't I was like okay I'm you know so then I did the one that did end up being the cover that was the next one I did and then um I did the wave wave I start you know getting larger and then I start thinking of I wanted to do um the whole time the mother is the he was trying to create you know make her out of his memory as I said and she's a major character in a way even yeah. though She's not there, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's why I said I, I have to do an image that I think of the mother as a water dancer having the um, the, uh, the water jug on her head. And uh-huh. so I that one and then um, the one of um, Between Us where she, which is, I think the image is on, was on the... Uh, what was like the mock-up of the book? The first, what is that called? I forgot. Where they give you the 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 sample of the book. 
Oh, they, the galleys? The galley. Yeah. Yes, they used the on the galley. And um, I was trying to, I, in my head, the shadow was Hiram. Mm. Like he was the shadow. He was in the darkness trying to find himself. And she was in this other realm holding his hand um, and putting her in the forefront. So that's how I imagined that and this conduction. And I made the water go everywhere like this electricity, thinking of that's what the conduction looked like in the moment in between the spheres of, you know, of memory and time and coming through. Um, and so I painted that one and then the one that ends up on the back of the cover, um, uh, singularity where the, the, the body's kind of broken up and the hand is up and it looks like the, the fingers are dissolving into the, into the, um, into the sky. Yeah. I originally just sent him four, the woman with the jug on her head, um, pillar and the three, the way of the wave, um, the water dancer and when it calls, I've sent him those. And then he came back to visit me at the studio after I had given those to the publishers. And he saw in the corner, I had singularity in between us. And he said, why didn't you submit those? Why do you, I didn't ever saw these. And I said, those are, those, I don't know if y'all wanted these. These are a little kind of far off. That one looks a little dark. And that one, I don't know. It was just kind of for me working it out. He was like, send those to the publisher, send them all, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, they're not going to like it. And they are the ones they chose, you know, they oh chose my God. that on the back of the book and the other one on the galley. I had, you know, discredited them because I, I don't know. I thought that they, I don't know what I made up, what they would want. Yeah. Yeah. That to me were way more abstracted um, and more conceptual. Uh, I didn't um, think they would want. And, you know, I mean, they did. And um, so that was really fun exercise for myself that I need to just like paint and let the people choose what they like. Yeah. (laughs) I I didn't know that those were, I didn't, I saw them as like, oh, that was me finishing out the thought. You know, like I had to finish out the thought, but I did not submit those. I thought I was going to send them the best and those were the best too. And I, and I love those paintings. But I, they end up being to me like this is how I interpret it, and I thought it was too much of my own interpretation in it. Yeah, see, that's where uh, but, the magic always is. Yeah, that's where it is. I put more of myself in it, and I was like, and and, and they loved it, you know. And I enjoyed that freedom, as you see, it it definitely left the photograph. Right, there's no photograph of those things, and um, yeah, I use the hand reference, but then it was me imagining and. And a lot of these paintings, like I was saying in the very beginning of this interview, like I, I will paint them, I use a photo, and then I can get lost in the photo and then imagine I can just stop looking at the photo and just paint for a while and then balance it and play with the light. And some of it is making look like stars. And there's a lot of small, layered, hidden things in my paintings. Even um, that painting... Um, uh, um, radiating my sovereignty at the tips of her fingers, there's these two lights at the very tip of her fingers. It's kind of good. The arm goes dark and there's these two tips. And I thought of like the direction of the North star, this direction of freedom, this idea there. I didn't realize 
until I started looking up and studying North Star. There, the light is so bright because there's a second star. Oh, that's next to it. It's very close, and so it was really bright. And so I put two dots, like this light, light, and then another one. And I was just thinking how we're always there's always takes two or it takes a village. It takes more, you know, than just you know one. And so I'll do all of that and put it in there and you know, put oh little my gosh. in my head that a lot of times I don't share. Um, I don't know if I, I, I kind of love that. I kind of love that there's those secret things, but then pull up in these paintings, you know, a lot, a yeah. lot of it, like I'll think of that or even, um, radiating my grace when I was doing her feet, you know, I was thinking of her complexion, which is like my complexion. I use my daughter's as a model of her being blurry on where she stands because of her complexion, people not seeing who she is. So these blurry feet. Um, Dang, you're smart. <laughs> you got a lot going on. <laughs> I, and my brain, I was like, make, I, and, 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 but, but yet it looks believable, right? Yeah. I looked at it and it's just a photo and I'll just play and think and put little messages, like my own personal interpretations in there, but yet someone will see it and see just a, you know, pretty girl in the water. And I, and I, and I love that idea too, that you can just have that if you want. Um, because I love the idea of, I can talk in a, in somewhat political or even social terms in a heavy way, but you can come to it and just see a pretty pain. Yeah. So it's almost seductive. And it is. It, your work is just so emotional. Like uh, when I first found it, I felt like I was going to cry through most of it. I felt like I was going to cry like three or four times during this interview while you were talking. Like it's oh. so, um, there's so much of you in there and just, uh, it's so important. Like it's, and, and I, I love that your hand can do what it does. Like the fact that <laughs> the painting like that is you know, natural for you is insane to most people. You realize that, right? No, it just seems, it seems like it, <laughs> it seems to me, if I can paint so real, it's like unimaginative. That's what oh I'm my God. You know, because oh my you can just Lord. paint something real. There's no, you know, but, but that, but like I said, when I use the water and the reflection, I'm able to use my imagination with it. It yeah. la- allowed me to not just be, cause I used to say that I was like, man, I was supposed to be born in the, 1800s or something when it was you know no like a time where I was supposed to just do the be the camera right you know before there was a camera well you know what I keep picturing is you up on the scaffolding with those teeny tiny brushes like do you do you listen to music when you work like do you kind of like lose yourself or is it quiet or how do you what's it like when you're working I use music but mostly books oh I do a lot of audiobooks okay I have a question about that then and then I really am going to let you go because I've kept you okay. forever. But um, whenever I, if I have a movie in the background or a song playing, every time I look at that piece later, all I can, I always think of whatever was playing in the background. Does it ever translate? Does it ever stay with you or no? Like the book that oh, you were yes. listening to, will it be part of the painting oh, in your mind? For sure. Like, yeah. okay, for sure. It's in there. Like even... Um, uh, radiating my sovereignty, that piece where I was saying with the light. Yeah. I think I was listening to the power then by oh. Alderman. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, 
does she have an electric arm? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> shooting out electricity. Um, let me fix that. Cause when I painted, it was like this, I had to fix it and make it dark over there. Cause it was bright, like a electric, like electricity going through it. Wow. Um, it comes through for sure. Um, I, I read, I listen to a lot of books more. I used to be an avid reader with books in hand and I miss touching the page. Yeah. And sometimes I have to buy the book after I do the audio because I realize I didn't, I need to look at the words to really let it penetrate. Yes. Um, but some books on audio are great and I could just take it in and feel I'm, I'm in here painting, crying, listening to books like this, crying and just moving my paintbrush. And I think I love, I listen to music. I need to find more music. I have like one, um, old albums. I, I'm not like a, up on a lot of popular music or new music. So it's kind of hard for me, but these books, I can get lost for hours. I put, oh, I got this book. It's great. And I have 12 hours to listen to it. Right. I'll sit there and I won't move. Yeah. And I'll just get caught in that book and I can just paint and listen and just paint for hours. And it, and it allows me to sit because if not, sometimes the music, I'll take a break. Uh, when I was um, painting the large piece, the space in which we travel, um, that's a line from Coldplay song, oh. um, Square One. But I was listening to that song over and over. So sometimes it is music. And I was just listening to that. And I was like, that's it. This is a space uh. travel, which is connected. You know, this connection of people, of finding your people, finding your tribe, someone to move through. All of that is also in that work. And the, 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 the two girls um, um, and this double helix. Yeah, and- that is such an amazing piece. And that's very abstract, really. Yes. Yet it's so clearly two girls underwater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cleta, thank you so much. You. This was amazing. And if we're ever allowed to travel again, <laughs> and I ever get to, I'm supposed to be in LA in September, that ain't going to happen. I don't think I'll even be allowed to leave Canada by September. But if it ever does, I would love to come and actually meet you in person and keep chatting because for sure come for a studio visit yeah I would love that I would love it um well good luck with everything like you know it's so amazing to watch you and I cannot wait to see what is next and um yeah please please keep in touch okay I will thank you so much for having me and I hope um you have a wonderful day or weekend coming up yeah I know what day is it oh it is Friday I I know (laughs) okay well lots of love to your girls and uh, I'll keep an eye on Instagram okay okay thanks bye (sighs) brilliant thoughtful kind and she can paint like nobody's business what an amazing conversation I am going to have to have her back on because I could have talked to Kalita for hours and hours and hours I have a full post on my site, thegelscurator.com, right now showing all of the work that we talked about. Head over there and look for those galaxies and fingertip northern stars. Seriously, I almost cried so many times, and if I'm being totally honest, I did have a little cry after I hung up for a couple of reasons. One, because the way she thinks and processes her own stories is so beautiful, and two, 
because of how truly embarrassed I feel for not understanding what systemic racism really means. I have work to do. I think a lot of us do. I want with all of my heart for my naive Pollyanna view of the world to be real. But until it is, I am taking off my blinders and I'm going to do everything in my power to make change happen. Thank you so much to Kalita for doing this with me. And thanks to you for listening. I am having my long-awaited big surgery on Tuesday, and I am kind of freaking out, but I am trying to breathe through it. So I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks off from not only the podcast, but also my daily posts so that I can just recover quietly. That said, I've already got my episode with Mimi Pond edited and ready to go for next week. So I'm going to get Greg, my producer slash husband, to post it while I'm in the hospital. (laughs) Um, It's just too good. You have to hear it. I I can't just wait till next season. Um, Okay, but that really will be the last episode of this season of Art for Your Ear. But don't worry, because I already have artists lined up for September. Anywho, that is all of the news for now. I will let you get on with your weekend, and we'll finish by saying there will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.